Hello, hello. Welcome along to the Dead Dad Society. I am your host, Mitch Garling. This is the therapy group in the form of a podcast. Thanks if you've checked out the episodes before or this is your first time. Thank you very much for coming along. We've got a brilliant episode for you today. Uh, This week, uh, our guest is a comedian. He's an author. He's a TV host and he is a voiceover guru. Uh, He's a member of the DDS. Uh, He lost his dad at a very young age. And uh, this guy, he, uh, he actually also unfortunately lost his mother in the September 11 attacks. Uh, so his mother was aboard uh, Flight 77 that crashed into the Pentagon. Pentagon? It crashed into the Pentagon. That was my big moment. I just stuffed it up, guys. I was trying to be sincere. And I said Pentagon. I apologize. But uh, my guest today is uh, Simon Kennedy. Uh, like I said, gave him a little bit of a rap there. He's a, he's a bit of a do-it-all man. He's a very funny man. We go really deep into the tragedy of 9-11. You go right through from like the initial news to like the confirmation, uh, right through to just the, the post-9-11 world for him and his family. Uh, so it's an emotional one. It's an emotional ride this episode. Um, I'm glad Simon came on and was willing to openly chat so uh so well, willing to openly chat about it it's a difficult topic but he was uh, very open so that's great as always if you like what i'm doing at the dds then please give me a like or subscribe or follow on the socials at dead dad society or i am at mitch garling send us an email if you've got a story deaddadsociety at gmail.com if not let's get into the episode this is episode 24 with simon kennedy mitch it is an absolute pleasure I appreciate the uh, the flexibility, like we uh, like we have been speaking about. That it has been hard. We got we got sick wives. We got sick kids. We got you know. I had wisdom teeth out. Everything's happening, but we're here together now, and I'm I'm excited. I feel like we're going to get deep. There's going to be some stories here. I'm excited. Yeah, let's dig in. And I've already had my wisdom teeth out, so there's nothing to get in the way. That's a uh, man. That could. I'm so glad actually, because I was worried that mid mid podcast something might arise. Oh shit, yeah. Simon's got to get his wisdom teeth out. Let's pause and start again another That's week. That's right. But- no, no, that, that happened when I was 17 and uh, it was done by a student dentist. Uh, I think I still have the uh, footprint on my chest from him trying to yank it out yeah. of my face. Isn't it? Oh, isn't it just something like, I mean, I don't know the full extent of how technology has changed since you know yourself having it at 17 and me having it now. But honestly, it's like, you're going to break my jaw, lady. Like if you... Mm. Aren't careful, you are going to snap my face in half. Um, I felt they really way. go for it. I did. I feel. I felt the tension on my jaw. I thought, hang on, I don't think they know what they're doing. I really, I'm not good with this. But uh, it was, oh yeah, it was free. Students free. Well, that's. I mean, that's the. Is that the 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 what's the name of having a student dentist? Is that it's free and in, in the long run. That's right. Get where you the jaw is loose. That's it, mate. You are you are a member of the the Dead Dad Society. Unfortunately, you did lose your father some time back. Uh, unfortunately, uh, if there was a society, uh, a D- DMS, um, a deceased mums. So I don't I don't feel like I don't like saying dead mums like dead no, dads. I think it's like it's kind of like a bit fun. It's a bit like you know you can have a la- you can have a laugh. It's your pain. But with Dead Mums Society, it actually just feels kind of brutal. So Yeah, it's true, isn't it? There's something a bit more, um, yeah, well, dads die, you know, isn't it? There's a bit yeah. more of that about that. But when mums, it's like, oh, not your mum, you know, because yeah. they're, you know, it's some, I don't know what it is. It's something very softer about a mum, that's for sure. But, uh, uh, and and they're not meant to go. So yeah, no. yeah, right. I get that. I do get that. <laughs> Let's, um before we get into losing your mom, losing your dad, uh, all the, you know, quite sort of frightening circumstances around it. Um, I wouldn't mind going back and, and just learning a little bit about Simon Kennedy. How does, how does Simon Kennedy uh, come into this world? Where does he live? Uh, what's, you know, what are your parents' names? Where are you from? Please, yeah. please indulge. Yeah, well, I mean, as a Simon Kennedy, young boy grew up in the western suburbs town of Toon Gabby, um, I grew up, uh, you know, in the born in the mid '70s, and uh, yep. I was a child of the '80s, uh, which was a really exciting time to support the Parramatta Eels um, yes. because they were winning all the time. Um, so we used to, 
Yeah, all the kids we used to be pumped for our for our eels. So that was you know it was an easy life. It was a good life, right? Because a you're a kid, b you're where the winning team is. Like it feels like mm. nothing can go wrong, doesn't it? Um, so good, yeah. From a Irish Catholic uh, family, um, so a pretty traditional kind of you know family unit. You know, yeah, mum, yep. uh, dad, and a brother, two brothers. So my my dad Barry Kennedy was a hardened. Um, uh, yeah, he was a boxer as a young man um, from the uh, western suburbs, um, mm-hmm. and he uh, uh, became a, a life insurance salesman uh, okay. later on. Okay. Yeah, how does uh, how does the boxer uh, how does the boxer uh, feel about a son going into comedy and performing, or or, or had he pa- he passed before? Had he passed? Well, he died started? when I was nine. He was so he never even got a glimpse into what kind of. Wow, what a man! He's, he's so no, uh, no gigs before nine, mate. You didn't, you didn't start gigging before nine. No, but, but no, not many, not many. Um, but, <laughs> but what I do know is that he didn't want my brother and I anywhere near boxing, because um, I remember right. um, my brother and I going, Dad, show us how to box, you know, because he still had some of like his gloves around, still had some uh, some paraphernalia, and there were some photos of him as a young man as a boxer that were really cool pictures, you know. And, I thought oh, that's that's so awesome. And dad teachers had a box and he didn't want us going anywhere near it. No. Yeah. So much so that he would go, Oh, I'll show you. Um, and he'd just they'd come out, come at me, and then he'd just start clipping us over the back of the ears. And that not to hurt us at all, but it was just it's, it was we couldn't cope with it. We're like, oh stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so neither of us had any interest in boxing after that point, which was I think his plan. Yeah. Um, Worked well. Worked yeah, well by the sounds no, of it. It's it's that teaching moment or something like that. It was a teaching moment. Yeah, it's like he smoked a whole pack of cigarettes sort of thing, you know. Um, <laughs> but we did. Yeah. And, and you know what? He's probably right. There wasn't much of a future in it. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he wanted us to, I guess, get educated, I imagine. Um, so that was him. And, uh, yeah, he married um, uh, Yvonne, my mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she was a good oh, I don't know, 15 years younger than him. But, um, wow. yeah. Yeah, so... And uh, she had uh, she had kids in her early thirties, like people tend to do now, really. Which but yeah, it was late yeah. for late for back then. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, and you know she she brought us up after he passed away all by herself. And she was uh, was she a fan of uh, you going into the the comedy world, the performing world, all that sort of thing? Well, you know, I think my mum, who was well, she was came from a. a a fairly fairly conservative and i say conservative i don't mean um uh in the sense of uh socially conservative i mean, I mean mm-hmm. just in its structure and what they did it was there was nothing extraordinary about it you know my grandfather worked on the railway and my grandmother didn't work you know the usual yeah kind of yeah that much um and so it was a fairly for traditional is the word i think i'm looking for traditional yeah 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 upbringing uh from sort of southwest sydney and um, she, uh, I think that was a bit of a character and kind of always wanted to be a performer deep down. And yeah, I think yeah. she kind of liked it when I said, mum, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. But the first thing I went into, it wasn't comedy. It was radio. Like I went um, to the Australian film, television and radio school when oh, I was right. about 20, 23, 24 um, and did full-time broadcasting um certificate and um from there went went into radio and she was always like that's good but just make sure you've got something to fall back on yeah make sure you got something to fall back on and and uh and it was that's good it was great advice but i never found anything to fall back on um what i did fall back on was a few years later when i got into stand-up comedy not exactly the best thing to fall back yeah that's (laughs) just as an equal thing of falling yeah. back on almost potential. radio was radio was the more responsible <laughs> job yeah you know? yeah so i started with the fallback which wasn't even a fallback i mean it was weird but uh, i find yeah. a lot of uh i find a lot of people who seem to go into things uh like a whether it's film related radio related even potentially sort of like communications they seem to go into a course like yourself saying you did radio. I did film. I've got a bunch of friends who did film and communications and then somehow find themselves in the stand-up world. Like it's just that it's almost like a realization when you're around that kind of media or around that world where you're like, I'm funny. I'm funny. I want to, 
wouldn't mind giving this a go. Same with lawyers as well. Seems to be a big thing. A lot of a lot of ex-lawyers in comedy, aren't there? There's a lot of ex-lawyers. Um, I, I think a lot of people on radio do think they're hilarious, right? Yeah. Very. I'm not, I'm not talking about comedians who then who go to radio, but mm-hmm. people who go straight to radio, uh, and they all think they're pretty funny. Uh, but not many of them, to be honest, have the, the balls to take it on stage. Um, no. No. Good. You know, you can, you can do jokes on the radio and it's an important job. Like, and, and to be honest, I was inspired by great radio comedians when I was a young guy, guys like Doug Mulray, who was huge mm-hmm. in the 80s, right? And um, never a stand-up comic, but one of, probably one of the best comedians around. He was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but yeah, and um, it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure where I was going with that, but I think that, um, <laughs> I think that it's, the urge to be entertaining there's, yeah. there's probably a bit of ego there's a bit of ego in there absolutely um but but when I did, I did radio for a few years and i thought i thought i was doing funny stuff and you know you know i actually even won the, the uh, an, an award or two for for some sketches oh, wow. that i did in radio okay. that sort of thing and I, I thought that's good but but then I, I i came back to sydney from the country and i went yeah something's i don't know i, I really want to i want an audience that i can there's an urge feel and smell and and then i so with my best mate at the time we encouraged each other to to do an open mic spot um we both did on the same night and yeah i was i was hooked i was have hooked. a look back so yeah i found that as well with uh when i was doing film stuff the the ego checks in where you're like uh you're doing you're doing these sh- sh- film shoots and you're like oh i'm i don't know i feel like i'm funnier than the person in this or I'm, I wish I was getting to perform these lines. I feel like I could do this more justice. So you start going like, I think I want to be in front of the camera more than behind. And then it just goes from there where I barely even scraped through of my screen and media course because of how much time I was doing stand up and, and other stuff. Yeah. But I, um, is, the, is the friend still doing comedy as well? The open mic friend? But no, he did for a while. Like he did for a while. His name's uh, Scott Wilson, but he um, he kind of pulled out of it um, a few years ago. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Scotty ever jumps back in again. He's um, up on the the Gold Coast these days. Yeah. But um, yeah, he he did for a while. But I I really sort of dug in. Um, yeah. Really professionalized myself, I guess. So, yeah. Good. Um, yeah, kind of, I feel like you have to doing because you do a lot of like corporatey um, MC stuff as well, like. Yeah, I, well, I do that professional events. Yeah, I mean, not not through the COVID period, but um, no, yeah, no. <laughs> but I do, I do, and I mean, it was the first ten years of my stand-up comedy career. I didn't really do much in the way of corporate work. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of was like, yeah, that's not for me. That's not for me. And I think I just hit a certain age where and where I was like, hang on, yeah, no, I, I can do this. I can I can work cleaner, and I can yeah. you know do do that without actually compromising my comedy and i guess it's, it was from having a wealth of material yeah, uh, yeah. enough material um and you know i've been doing stand-up comedy now for 21 years um oh, wow. i started in 1999 and um you know to be honest the first 10 years of my life of my career i probably wasn't fit for corporate um because i hadn't mm-hmm. built up the right kind of experience or material but then after 10 years i, I was like hang on i yeah, I just take this, this, that's, there's a, there's a lot of good material here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of comics are scared of um, corporates and would never, ever do it. Um, but I actually really enjoy them. Like they're still audiences. Yeah, um, that's it. Did it coincide at all with, uh, <laughs> did it coincide at all with having children? Therefore the drawer of corporate consistent money is probably good for, uh, you know, backing up a, a family. Certainly, yeah. To pay a mortgage, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. imagine paying a mortgage with comedy. That's crazy. But that um, insane. yeah, <laughs> it, it. But but it also, I think, came with being of a certain age, and I think it's when I hit about thirty, sort of five. Mm-hmm. Um, that was where I, I was at an age bracket where the audiences who were, you know, they're all kind of mixed ages. Yeah, but one thing yeah. about corporate audiences are they're people who have worked very hard to often to get where they are and that sort of thing and the last thing they're really interested in seeing because they can't relate to it is a 25 year old who's yeah. wants to talk about um being on tinder you know that's yeah. that's yeah. not that's not 
what that audience is thinking right there. Um, but I could get up and um, you know, do jokes about, hey, my wife, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I've I got a wife. <laughs> um, That's it. It's, it's immediately it, relatable. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm now probably at a, at a, a certain... Uh, stage in my career where uh the, if i do if i found a whole audience of 25 year olds they might not want to see what i've got to talk about i mean i'd like to think <laughs> that i could pivot for them but yeah, i understand that it's a chance they might rather That's see it. someone else i feel like i'm kind of in that middle zone like i'm about to turn 33 and i am in the middle zone of like because i have a daughter i want to talk about her but then the gigs that i'm you know primarily being booked for uh, city gigs or you know younger audience gigs and it's like oh they don't want to hear about how I don't know the other night she got woken up because YouTube wouldn't turn off or something like I don't know there's yeah. just dumb stuff and it's like I don't want to hear that I want to hear about the tinder like you said yeah yeah well that's it I mean it's about sort of a bit of um, give and take but it's also that's also the responsibility of whoever's booking the room to make sure that they know who they're booking know the kind of material they're doing and go well you know I think we could we got one of those and we got one of those. We don't need we don't need three guys talking about their kids, that's for sure. So let's yeah. So that's also the responsibility of the bookers as well. That's it. As yeah. As us. Let's let's move away from comedy. Uh we can we can come back there at some point, but I want to get into I want to get into the meat. Is it meat? Let's I don't know. Let's get into the let's get into get the, the heavy lifting, stuff. Right? Let's get in the, let's do it. Let's do it. So you have you did mention obviously and and I stupidly questioned uh how how old you were when he passed i've kind of alluded to the fact that your dad has passed um yeah. so you said about nine you were nine when he when he passed yeah. so i was about nine um and uh yeah he died of a massive heart attack um came home from wow. work one day with chest pains and um and mum said oh dad's feeling some some pains in chest he's going to go up to the doctor so he went up to the doctor and um we got a call from the doctors saying barry's been taken to hospital to westmead hospital in an ambulance he's had a heart attack so so that that had happened so we jumped in the car and and by the time we got to westmead he died on route to the to the hospital so oh my god so we we got there to find that out and that was you know that was the beginning of uh the rest of my life and things changed massively from that point on. So yeah. The family. Are you, sorry, are, sorry to cut you off. Are you the oldest of the, no, the, no. no. So I've got a brother who's a year older than me, um, yeah. two boys. And that's that. Um, yeah. And, and, and gee, I tell you what, I mean, I'm a parent now, so I now get what the hell kind of, uh, she was thrown into there. Like, yeah. Uh, the idea that she had to, to, to grieve, and be a parent and all that it's, it's actually quite a it's quite it's quite, a, quite a scary like there's a lot to, a lot to wrap your head around yeah. and, and and then you look back as as a parent now and you go wow she she was great like wow and what what a what a piece of shit i was as a teenager and what a, <laughs> you know like wow how did i not you know be a better son not um, appreciate the you know the work that she was putting in the goals she was kicking but, oh uh, my god yeah and and well and and whilst mourning the love of a life like oh yeah. you know, god i'm an asshole like yeah <laughs> yeah but, but that was and that was that that made for a pretty tough uh i guess teen hood for my brother yeah. and i so, yeah yeah um, so that's one of the biggest things that i have come across with doing the podcast is the uh, the eternal question seems to be for people that have lost parents or loved ones, whatever is uh, preference of, would you prefer quick or would you prefer like an illness where you have time to say goodbye? Okay. And the thing that keeps scaring me or scaring me is the ones like your father, where it is your dad has chest pains. He's going to go to the doctor and get it checked out. And then that's it. Like mm. it doesn't, doesn't return. Like that sort of thing is very scary to me of just how quickly life can change. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I look at, I mean, friends um, who I've, I've friends I've lost recently to, to cancer really slowly yeah. and, uh, and, um, and people who I know whose parents have just 
also gone after very long illnesses. And I, I sometimes I look at them and I'm a little bit jealous of the fact that they get, they might've got to say everything that they could have said. But then again, I think to myself, Simon, would you have been a good enough person to say everything you had to say, or would you have still been consumed within yourself and made it all about you or you right. know, would you have wrecked it? Would you have wrecked the opportunity anyway? Um, and I don't know the answer. So I don't know if sometimes, um, I think sometimes when it, when it happens like that, when it goes like that, um, I guess you're absolved of any responsibility of how you mm -hmm. should have behaved just beforehand. Yep. And you've got to be able to forgive yourself as well. So to be able to say, well, you know, I, I was nine and I didn't, yeah. didn't know. Um, I was just doing what I was doing and, you know, um, and uh, as, as I'm sure we're going to get into, uh, you know, lost my, my mom um, almost 20 years ago now, uh, also very sudden. And yeah. for that one, I go, I, you know, you look, yeah, it could have been a better son. I could have done this. I could have done that. But you got to be able to forgive yourself. Um, yeah, for sure. For, for who you were then. Um, well, that's it. That's it. 20... Yeah. 20 years ago, you know, obviously very different. Before that, very a nine-year-old kid. Like you're probably, you, you know, depending on, you said he was at work. So in theory, you've probably been at school all day. So, you know, you're coming home from school. Your brother's coming home from school. You guys are just living your normal life, you know, yep. getting excited for dinner and, you know, we're going back to school again the next day. So you're just trying to live your yeah. life. But yeah, just watching telly, just watching telly. <laughs> Yeah, and nine-year-old kids aren't meant to know everything. They're not meant to know the, the gravity of every moment or the value of every moment. Mm. You know, they're meant, to, they're meant to live in the moment. They're meant to just be. Um, yeah, so, um, but I, I think, um, I mean, we're getting to, to talking about whether going slowly is the better option or not. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really know because I've never, I don't think I've really experienced the, the morning before the loss. A lot of people do. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do with that. Yeah, honest. whether it's um, a weird way of considering yourself lucky—that's that's such a bad way of putting it. But you know, because I don't personally with my dad, it was from diagnosis to him dying was eleven months. Mm. So it's like there's, and I'm sure it was horrible for my mom and for him, of course. I'm not saying this is all me, but for that eleven months, it's just like where are we going next? Like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing to kick us all, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas yeah. kind of if it had had, personally, if it kind of had happened suddenly, you have that, you can look back on it, but you have that closure. You're like, and it's, it's gone. It's done. Yeah. Like ripping off like a bandaid or whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah. And, and I think, and I wondered actually, I'm not sure if it, who's really done the comparisons on, when someone's dying um mm. are you are you grieving then are you mourning then i don't know um or do you or do they does everyone still go through the same thing i would have gone through after the sudden death do they have both like do they have do they have the grief that i would have had as normally plus some other shit in the lead up that was extra i mean that sounds hard hardcore and unfair yeah i feel like also from from my experience with after dad actually passed uh, like if he, if he had passed suddenly, of course we have that grieving, we have the mourning, you know, the full on emotion, but when dad actually passed, uh, ours was like a bit of a relief. And mm, then, yeah. uh, it was almost like, I, I've, I think I've said this on the podcast before is like, after he passed, it was, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning or something. And we all just went downstairs at the hospital and we were like, all right, so lunch, like, should we go and get lunch? Yeah. Like, what's, and it's like, oh, do we just go back to do we just go back to normal life now? What do we do? Like, but you do. Yeah, I, I've heard relief as a word. And um, I mean, we lost a friend about a year ago to, to brain cancer. And, um, and I've got to say, it was going for five years. And, yeah. and, and, and he, was, he was getting worse and worse and worse because they kept you know, going in and, and tinkering and, and doing mm -hmm. things and trying to prolong it. And, um, and then at the end, it was like, it's, it's got, oh God, can we just let him go now? Like this yeah, is yeah. It's a bit cruel now, and um, yeah. So it was a bit of a relief, and um, still, you still, you still bore your eyes out when that actually, of course, when they go, and you still have that release of oh, they're gone. But um, 
yes. I'm just like, you know, they're dragging it out sometimes just seems cruel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's briefly, briefly, let's get, let's get into to talking about losing your mom, moving on uh, from that. How, how do you want to, how do you want to approach this? Do you want, do you want to tell the story? Do you want me to prompt it? How, how would you like to tell it? It's your story. Let's, we can do a bit of both. Um, okay, great. But I think it's, I think one, like anything, let's, we're talking about ripping the band aid off. Let's rip the band aid off. Hey, let's do it. Let's um, do it. So it was um, almost 20 years ago, um, September 11, uh, 2001. And um, I got a phone call from my brother in London and uh, our mother was on a trip, a retirement trip um, around the U S and Canada and, basically she'd retired from the red cross um about a year less than a year before and she mm -hmm. promised herself this um, almighty journey that she wanted to yeah. do Beautiful. and off she she was on it and she was on this trip and my brother rang me from london and he said look um i know mum is over in the us and and that sort of thing um it was late at night and he said some planes have just crashed into buildings in the in the us in new york and um it's like pretty serious. Um, I, where do you know where mum is right now? Mm. Um, so that that was the that's what started the uh, the investigation. I was like, oh, you know, just let me go back to bed. I had a few drinks and I wasn't interested in staying up. But um, my wife, who was then my girlfriend, said, you know, your brother doesn't call that often. Um, can you give him some attention? Yeah. And so I woke up and went, okay, what are we doing here? And I went and found her itinerary and, um, lo you know, for, to cut a long story short, um, her itinerary spelt out that she was taking a flight from Washington to Los Angeles, which mm -hmm. was basically the first part of her trip home. And that was American airlines flight 77. Uh, that was the plane that the terrorists crashed into the Pentagon. Uh, wow. and that's the plane mum was on. So that was the beginning of, I guess a shitty journey of yeah. um, discovery, uh, and yeah, it, it was a slow, a slow and painful process of elimination to, of course, to work out. Yeah. Yes, um, we've we've lost our mother. Uh, so you obviously this way. you've kind of got to get like you've got to get confirmation she's made the flight. You've got to get, yep. you know all that sort of like confirm yeah it, it must be just painstaking yeah all that stuff so phone calls to um american airlines in the u.s phone calls to the hotels that she was staying at around the time to make sure see if she actually left the hotel all mm. that stuff just to just, just to, to rule, rule it out, out. yeah um yep. and 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 logic um i think it only to be honest i think it only took a it might have taken me i don't know really four hours of of, of back and forth, mm -hmm. you know, just ticking boxes to, for logic to tell me that she, this she was on the plane. And well, yeah. It, was, yeah. it wasn't going to get any better here. This was, this was it. Um, but, you know, logic, logic's one thing, but you've always got hope. Um, yeah. And it took, took days before someone actually said, yeah, your mother's dead. So it was, it was a pretty, that was a weird, a weird one. Like you talk about a sudden death. It was, sudden but it was also a i guess maybe akin to when, when there's a missing person or something like that yeah. um yeah where there's this sort of like we need to know what's happening you know so yeah um, need that, closure. Yeah, that, that yeah and that was the beginning of that um and uh you, you think it would sort of once you got that confirmation that would probably be the the end of the weird shit but Mm -hmm. No, nah, not not when it comes to September 11. It's uh, no, it's no, a, a lot of weird shit that comes with with that experience. And I'm sure, unfortunately, you know, if your your mum passes away in a car accident on Parramatta Road, maybe it's mentioned briefly at the end, of, or not the end of the news, but maybe bre mentioned briefly in the news that there was an accident, fatality, that sort of thing. But my my heart says. 9-11 probably comes up a fair bit. So that's going to be yeah. something to cause you and your family pain every time, every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like we are up in this year to the 20th 
anniversary. Um, and over wow. the last 19 anniversaries, I think there have been maybe a couple where I've, I've woken up and I've gotten, gone about my day and got a few hours into my day before I, I sort of realized, I went, Oh God, yeah, that's the day. Um, yeah, right. But most of the time it's sort of put in front of you before you even get the chance to, you know, I'm aware of it. And, and people, and people well-wishing often do send messages very early in the morning. So I'm thinking of you today. So yeah. Yeah, um, that's nice. nice. That's good. Yeah, that's good. But you yeah. can't pretend it's not happening. Like I, I can say that you can't pretend. Um, <laughs> but it's weird because in the, in the media attention. I mean, at the beginning when it happened, um, the the hunger from the media to actually latch onto a story like mm -hmm. the family um, was something we had to really work hard to avoid. Like we wanted to keep yeah. our privacy um as a family to grieve and we had to really work hard to avoid um press finding us and finding out who we were and trying to get us and yeah we went through all manner of stuff to uh to i mean there was one there was one particular journalist from the herald sun in melbourne who sat in a car outside our house uh, for a whole day hoping to to get onto us and he was door knocking our neighbors um he was um he, he was wanted ruth it. ruthless yeah, yeah as if we were that's criminals or something <laughs> yeah 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 you're, today tonight you're a you're a shonky you're a shonky tradie they're hanging out yeah which i am to get you yeah but but you know <laughs> if it was about that fine but but this is um, this is yeah. a bit more serious yeah yeah um, so um so that sort of thing happened um really like you go you think you think people who are who are suffering loss like that deserve as much space as you can give them but uh, apparently not if it's a, no no, if it's going to sell, if it's going to sell the papers, apparently, apparently yeah. not. Um, I, I guess, yeah, you do see that, don't you? Like the, every time there is some form of um, attack, you know, natural disaster, all that sort of thing, everything is broken down by country. It's, you know, this many from here, this many from here. So I would assume possibly how, how many people from Australia do you know? 10, yeah. 10 Australians, um, yeah. 10 Australians, I think. Two of them were were living in the U.S. Um, as sort of expat Aussies, but there were there were ten Aussies um, in 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 all all in all. Um, mm. um, so there's not a lot to side. not a lot for the uh, for the newspapers to pull from. Like there's only so many people, and if they've got a lead to hit up the Kennedys, then they're that's it. <laughs> they're yeah, doing and, it. And I mean, I because I, I had been working in media, and I was working in. In radio as well, I I was fairly new to stand up comedy a couple of years in, but I was also um, still working in radio. I'd, I'd been working at uh, Nova, the radio station, mm -hmm. which had only just launched that year in in Sydney, the first one. I was going to say um, they just had twentieth. I swear they just had the twentieth anniversary party, like literally. They have, yeah, April first, uh, two thousand and one was when the first Nova kicked off in Australia. Yeah, wow, uh, and I was I was there. Um, they were actually great. Like they were like. You know, what do you want? And I said, I want no one to know. I want mm. all media to stay the hell away, and they, and I don't want to be part of any coverage. And they respected yeah. that. They were great. I mean, this was a media outlet, so they were like, "Well, we've got they've got we it. Could have yeah. a story right here." Yeah, uh, but they were great. They were good, and they went, "No worries, no one's going to get to you." That's good. That shows and, uh, that shows a great amount of respect, considering, like you said, that they're at that point, maybe what, five months into being a radio station, that's a huge, a huge coup for them to have yep. that access and for them to not use it. Yeah. Is, is and, I, and I give, and I give a lot of that credit um, to American Rosso. Mm -hmm. So uh, American Rosso were the breakfast team that started at Nova and, uh, and they both were pretty good. They both pr were fairly protective um, of me, which was great. That's good. Um, you know, they, they, they had, they had a name, they had a real comedy um, uh, career already. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were going great. And they knew I was, uh, you know, a young fledgling. And I think they, they were good. They were good. And I think they spoke to management and said, you know, let's, let's protect the guy. Let's leave him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there you go. It's a bit of camaraderie. On That's it. The, yeah. I love that. I, um, when I was I was reading some of the the articles that you've uh, done regarding your mum, like there was I think there was a, a news.com pretty recently um, where it talked about 
that you looked into uh, trying to find out about her final moments, like as much as you tried to avoid it, but you did look wanted to look into her final moments. And I believe you might have found out some, you know, quite, it says painful, painful details. Um, but yeah, tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing uh, is, is, I mean, I've actually been in contact with the daughter of, of another woman who was on mum's flight um, mm. over the last, last few years. Um, she kind of reached out to me and she said, I think your mum was on plane um, with my mum and they were sitting quite close to each other. Um, and one thing I've always thought about with mum is that uh, she was a, she worked with the Australian Red Cross and she mm -hmm. was a very, very giving, helpful person. And she was very much um, someone who would run in to help uh sometimes at her own uh, risk. Yeah, um, sure. Like, you know, there was um, a Granville train disaster which happened in Sydney when when I was a wee little fella. Um, and uh, she was one of the people on, on site there helping out um, with first aid and that sort of thing. She went to, she was at Threadbow, I think, with the um, Threadbow. Wow, um, wow. Disaster. And, and um, that's the kind of person she was. And I always had in my head, yeah, picture mum just sort of holding someone's hand and and sort mm. of sort of maybe just just comforting them through the experience whatever was going on yeah uh, and that's how i like to then sort of picture maybe her last moments of just being supportive to someone else and uh, yeah um but um the concept in my head was that mum went on holidays and never came back you know that's and that was kind of a nice way to sort of for that to yeah. end but but yeah. but we but we did um, in uh, in the year in two thousand and two, so just after it was all all was settling down, as the as the the crash site at the Pentagon was 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 combed for every detail that they could yeah. find. They did find some remains and um, some human remains. Um, yeah. But as you can imagine, I mean, it was a pretty fiery crash. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was. You know, so they had DNA samples from my brother and I, and then um, we got a call saying, "Look, we, we, there are limited remains of your mother, and they'll be sent home to Sydney." So they came home uh, in a a big, big ass American military coffin. Which right, was, right. That's which kind was of a big steel funny. coffin, Quite, like you yeah. see on the yeah, and and. Uh, and it was so big that I got, I got a phone call from this guy at Sydney funerals out at um, the cemetery. And he said, Oh, look, you know, are you the son of the son of Yvonne Kennedy? I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And he goes, well, we, we have her remains here. And I said, Oh, okay. Right. And he goes, look, it's just that the coffin that they are in is too big for our like units that we like, you know, whatever our refrigeration units, whatever the hell right. Right. I went. And I'm like, okay, what, I don't know what, I'm meant to do with this infant. I don't know what. And he goes, yeah, that's well, very strange. Okay, I think he was asking if it was okay to 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 temporarily take the remains out of there out. for temporarily and whatever. I'm like, yeah. And then I then I stupidly asked him. I said, what? So what remains are we dealing oh. with here? Like, oh. and I don't know why I why I, the fuck I asked that. I really don't. And it's um, that morbid that morbid curiosity that you sort of. Like I, I still, I, yeah, I do similar things where you're like, I just kind of need to know. Like, yeah, I, and I really kind of wish I hadn't asked, you yeah. know, because um, he said, uh, he said, well, it's kind of, it's just a foot, really. And I was, I was sitting, I was having lunch. I was sitting in the food court at Broadway Shopping Center in Sydney, and and I, I just. It, it, it just killed me and i just yeah. I, don't know, I, I sat there and i unraveled i, I really i unraveled at yeah. that point and i just sat there just staring at the table and i don't know absolutely what was going Does, on it was just it was the kind of detail that i don't think anyone needs to hear no no it least. really kind of um it, it adds another level to an already an already very upsetting frightening thing it adds an, kind of another level to it uh, yeah very harrowing um but you know you know it's not, it wasn't the end of me um, yeah yep. 
can't can you yeah. go to Broadway? Can you go to Broadway Shopping Center anymore, or is that yeah they've renovated now? Oh, they've good. renovated, it. so it all looks very different now. It's yeah, it doesn't good. give you that. I asked them to. I told them to. I said, I wanted to yeah. change. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I go to, I uh, I have been to Coles a few times, and the Coles I'm radio. Sorry, sorry that's. To hear that. I'm so sorry about that as well. But it was yeah. quite. You know, Dad loved to go to Coles. No, not really. But um, uh, they play on the Coles radio. They play the song that Dad uh, that we played at Dad's funeral. So right. I at one Coles in particular, I had a bit of a moment, and now every time I go back, I'm like, "Oh, this is the Coles. This is this, <laughs> this is my bad Coles. I hate this, this place. <laughs> yeah, like um, I can't yeah, can't go into the frozen food section again. <laughs> no. Oh man. No. no. Oh, wow. uh, with uh, with your so with everything surrounding 9/11, of course, is the the stereotypical image of 9-11, you know, probably not helped by the the fact that the number 11 is in the name, is the stereotypical image of the Twin Towers. So yeah. when people think of 9-11, they think of the Twin Towers. Mm. Now, obviously, the Pentagon and the uh, Pennsylvania uh, crash, the third and, third and fourth or whatever, um, obviously still a massive part of it, but... Does that sort of, I, f- I feel like sometimes that the Pentagon and the Pennsylvania crash almost get looked over or forgotten about sometimes? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I often felt that way. And people go, oh my God, New York. And go, you know what? It wasn't just New York. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely get that. Um, I mean, that's just people. Um, I know, just, just. It's just the way their very, brains work, I guess. Like. Yeah, it's just, just they're just thinking on a very. Uh, very top top level sort of surface mm. level sort of bit of thing so um just assuming that that would be it um but but and i've got better at dealing with it. I used, I used, there were times where i'd cope i'd be like I'd polite about it and then times right get the shits i actually remember and i and i apologized to him at, at the time and i apologized to him actually recently again because it just came into my head and i so i just messaged him on instagram saying you know, I, I lost my I lost my shit at you, and I'm really sorry. I was doing um I was doing some interviews around an anniversary, um, which I never really loved doing, but you know, I'd, I'd rather tell the story than have someone else tell it. So, yeah, um, I was on doing an interview on Triple M and Gus Warland, who's a lovely lovely bloke. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a lovely guy, and he. I don't know if he just got slipped the wrong research or something like that, and he said, "Oh, so your mum she died in the Twin Towers." And this was the beginning of the interview. And I've gone, God, oh, man, can you just do your research? <laughs> and I, yeah. I kind of on, on air, live on air, just sort of call him and God, mate, really? And, uh, and then it was weird. And afterwards, and I, and I said, oh, and he actually rang me to apologize. I went, no, I'm sorry. Because I'd, <laughs> I'd just done some interview with some dickhead in um, Brisbane who yeah. decided that interviewing me on this, on September 11 was a great opportunity to talk about conspiracy theories. Um, and, and I wasn't expecting it. I, he's the guy I should have gone off at. Yeah. God. Yeah. But I was so like, what, what's, what's happening here? Um, what? Uh, and then the interview with Gus Wallen and the triple M interview was just after. And I'm like, and then I was like, sorry, you just copped it from the other guy. And I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> Now that was an, that's an extreme example of how I could behave or react to it. Very rare, though. Most of the time, I'm like, "Well, actually, you actually, know, yeah, um, yeah." That, but it, you're right; it's a, it is a bit that way. It's like, um, um, it's I guess it's just easy for people to think of the Twin Towers, and I never really had a a big connection to New York City, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, that happened there, but for me, it wasn't. My 9/11 wasn't there. Um, though I did recently go to New York in. Uh, 2019 yeah um, I was uh, on my way to part of a bigger story to Guantanamo Bay um, and I went to um, New York on the way and had the anniversary at the 9-11 Memorial Museum in in New York which is the first time I'd ever been there Uh, and it's a beautiful spot it's a Mm. beautiful place and it actually commemorates the uh, Pennsylvania crash and the Pentagon quite beautifully yeah good it's actually a really nice spot. So, so now there is a piece of me in, in New York City there. Yeah. And I, 
is um is there a similar style memorial at the pentagon uh, a beautiful memorial at the pentagon actually yep. um and it's um you can look look up the, the vision of it online but it's a, a whole lot of i guess you call them benches um okay. in yep. a park uh park outside of the pentagon and uh, every bench represents um one of the victims so it's quite a beautiful spot wow. with trees. It's very, very poignant, very, uh, very beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful, but it, and it's also set up in chronological order of age, um, which uh, when we went to visit there, I went to visit with my cousin, Tim from Canada, who um, is an Aussie, lives in Canada. He was who my mum was visiting just before we lost her. And he came down to see us and we hadn't been there before. And we are like, okay, so where's mum? It's in order of age. And Tim was my mum's favorite nephew and he goes well yeah. she'll be in the pensioners section so let's head up head up that way you know? walk up the back um, so she was 63 when she when we lost her but the sad and, and heartbreaking thing about that is um that the first bench and the first is of a um a little child so of course yeah so that that is really that is just like oh jesus you know that's hard yeah so, yeah like the idea of which is actually kind of leading into one of my questions I was going to ask you is the your cousin Tim working with yourself to use humor in that moment to be like oh you know pension section down the back down we go but then obviously it gets brought straight back to earth by the the realization of some of these chairs or benches at the front are probably going to be representing some quite you know young people who didn't get to live their full lives yeah but I mean humor is is has always been a coping mechanism in our family and, and mum yeah, was one who who pioneered that as well like you know, what, you know she she struggled when my dad died she really did but but she used humor to get herself through and you know and, and that and that was and it's good to do it it's good to do it um mm. yeah, you're you're allowed to do it uh, so do you uh do you use any kind of like do you have any material relating to losing your dad or losing your mum or is that stage is different like and that is that's trauma like i i did a show um not long after mum died where i actually talked about dad dying mm -hmm. which was kind of weird and it was a like a festival show <clears throat> and it was called um the angina monologues um <laughs> that's great that's great and so it started with you know dad talking about dad dying of a heart attack and i talked about all these other ways you could die um but i didn't i didn't talk about mum i didn't mention mum. i wasn't ready for it i just couldn't yeah. um do that um and but recently i've started sort of talking talking about some stories like i said just mm -hmm. before I, I went to guantanamo bay in 2019 and that was mm -hmm. to sit in the back of the courtroom and, and view some of the trials of the accused uh 9-11 conspirators and wow. um it was a confronting but actually a really wonderful experience for me because i managed to connect with some other family members and stuff who I'd never met, but it was, it became really great for me. Yeah. Yeah. Unexpectedly. And I've been doing some jokes about that trip um, uh, specifically about David Hicks, who was in um, the Australian. In of course. Bay. Yep. Um, I'll tell, well, I'll tell you what the story is that I tell <laughs> is that I was at, there's a souvenir shop in Guantanamo Bay. Um, of course and, of course that yeah, makes perfect sense it's a because it's a massive base it's a huge base right a big military base and the, and the jail and the courthouse thing is only, it's a fraction of it it's a part small of it, part yeah. of it so it's got a mac it's got a mcdonald's it's got a bowling alley guantanamo base, huge. <laughs> it's got it all and there's a souvenir shop and i was in the souvenir shop and the lady in the souvenir shop picked my accent and she goes oh we had an australian here once before and i went oh yeah and i'm, and I'm thinking i wonder if she's and you mean David Hicks? And she goes, yeah, yeah, David Hicks. She goes, that's right. He was in the thing. And she goes, his, his stepmother came in here and bought a fridge magnet. Um, and I had, I, I went, this is the best. Oh my God. And I'm like, yep, I'm just gonna need a pen for a second to write this down. So, mm. you know, the, the, for me, the idea of David Hicks finally getting home from, um, from Guantanamo Bay and out of prison. And, and he says, all right, well, I'm home. And dad says, what do you want? He said, I'd love a beer. He goes, well, go to the fridge. And then he goes up and he's like, oh, really? I mean, come Seriously? on. Um, so, and a, so the stepmom as well. The stepmom too. That's like, what I Coming said, from that's the stepmom. Is that 
total stepmom move. Like, yeah. You know, absolute yeah. stepmom move. Um, but <laughs> so, yeah, I talk about that. But here's the thing is that you know how stand-up comedy is. You, you've got to kind of explain. And sometimes I'm like, mm. do I tell, I can't, can I tell these people why I was there? Because that's just going to get their heads and put them in another place. Yeah. Yep. And and that's the hard part. Like I'm doing comedy, I'm doing comedy. I'm like, oh, by the way, uh, my mum was killed in 9-11, but let's not worry about that right now because I've got a really funny that's, story yeah. about David Hicks. That's just a forethought. Just a quick little quick little bit. Yeah. Let's go into so this joke. <laughs> I almost feel like I will probably have to do, uh, as much as I, I kind of loathe comedy festivals, to be honest, yep. um, but I, I almost feel like there's a whole festival show where I just need to do it all Absolutely. and say, look, this is it. Um, mm. and I'm going to, so let's get the premise sorted early so we can <laughs> go on. Yeah. And talk so you, yeah, about absolutely. It. Absolutely. So we can get um, into it rather than, you know, surprising some people at happy endings with some nine yeah. eleven gear. <laughs> they're well, not into it. it. They're like, ah, jokes about your wife and kids. Ha ha ha. Nine eleven. What? Oh, what? Um, oh, oh no. Oh no. You know, and then everyone's confused. Uh, yeah. So that, that is, so in short, I kind of, too but i don't as well so yeah yeah see i kind of my my old man was like probably my uh inspiration if you will the reason why i'm doing comedy you know showed me monty python and showed me all these things growing up and all that sort of stuff um so we always had a very fun relationship and he was always sort of into having a bit of banter like uh, i remember when um we were trying to organize his funeral and he was like i don't want this funeral home they don't have enough parking. And I remember being like, well, that's, you know, number one, that's the most dad thing you've ever said that even in death, you're still worrying about the parking. The other thing is like, it's your funeral, mate. So the good thing is you don't need to worry about the parking. That is something that we have to deal with. And, I'm, you know, if you're in the hearse, that means they just drive you straight up to the door. You don't need to worry about parking. And he, like, he loved it. Like, it's, you know, it's just a bit of banter, but I've done that on stage a couple of times. And it's gotten a nice reaction, like got a good reaction. But then afterwards, I feel gross or something. I yeah. Know. I know that that is that is what it is as well. You feel like, God, I mean, am I am I taking advantage of? Yeah. Like, you know, when you see people on reality TV and they go like on, on The Voice and they're yes. like, oh, you know, that was a great singing. Your singing's fantastic. So why? So, you know, why? Why do you like to sing? Well, I like to sing because because um, I lost my I lost my uh, my mother um, <laughs> I lost my mother in a car accident and uh, and she liked me singing and I sing for her and I was like, you know what? You didn't really need to bring that out. Uh, you're pulling that card and I, and I don't want to be I don't want to be that person. Um, yeah, yeah. And but I but I think the fact that I feel that way, I, I probably won't be that person. Um, I, I I had because um, because I, I wrote a book a memoir about my experience I mean mm. that decision to do that felt kind of like okay why are you doing this and Simon what are you doing this for um and it was because I wanted to tell the story the story yeah I was sorry it wasn't for fame and fortune and it was um okay I can tell you definitely not for fortune if everybody <laughs> don't expect to get rich but um it. yeah it was just um cathartic like a bit of a well, yeah very much so and i think i think people know i think people can tell when you're milking it for for fame and fortune i yeah. mean I'm, I'm not on maths put it that way no that's know? true that's true that's it i'm married yeah to be yeah that's i mean that's number one you i don't think you're allowed in um no. but yeah so going so going back to the memorial uh the memorial stuff um you mentioned in because i sent you um a list of things to fill out you mentioned that over the years that you've come across a lot of famous people you know important figures because of your um connection to i assume 9-11 and going over there mm. and that's meeting obama joe biden donald rumsfeld wonder woman was a was a good one how does uh how does that's, how do all these things obama happen? and me up the back there by the way photo of it behind me um wow. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, Obama, very charming. I and mean, that was at the 10 year anniversary uh, mm -hmm. at the Pentagon. Um, where, um, so, I mean, it was, that was, that, that, that anniversary for me was, it was a really a nice one because 
it had been a decade and I'd come out going, you know what? I'm okay. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. It was a nice moment to take stock and go, we've, we've weathered this pretty well. Uh, I was there with my brother and, and my cousin again. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was, it was, it was a good time for me. I had, um, was it, was it 2011? So I had two very young kids. Um, mm -hmm. My son was only about a year old. I'd come through a lot. I'd come through a lot and, um, and not just the nine 11 stuff. Like we'd almost lost our, our son a year before um, through a sudden uh, medical uh, issue. And yeah. um, so we'd come through all this and then we were 10 years after nine 11, the right president was in the white house. Um, we were, we were doing okay. And the sun was shining. It was, it was just a nice time to go. Mm -hmm we've survived this and we've survived it pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And so that for me meeting Obama, that was a nice thing to, because I, would, I was quite fond of his, uh, his style. Uh, yeah. Barack yeah. Obama and uh, charming guy. Yeah. Yeah. Charming, charming, charming man. And his wife, Michelle Obama, absolutely. Uh, she, she, she was probably, I probably felt most nervous around her because she was, yeah. Tall, beautiful, and radiant. I was like, oh my god! I was a bit just like, this presence, this presence. Yeah, I was like, I felt a bit like, oh, I think I've got a crush on you. Um, like she was quite <laughs> impressive. Um, and Joe Biden himself, who is now in the White House, um, mm. and I'm I'm quite pleased about that because he is such a, a sweet guy. When when we, we met him, um, he's suffered horrendous loss in yeah. his life. Yeah. Um, you know, he lost his, his wife and um, his daughter, um, you know, when he just got into politics in a yeah. car crash. I and mean, that's just the heartbreak, the heartbreak of that. And he addressed that directly with us when he met us. He said, I know what you guys are feeling. I know what you're going through. I've, I've been through this too, this pain and this hurt and this, and I, I'm here. And you know, I'm like, wow, this is that's not, it's not how politicians talk. No, like, no. What a good, this guy's a good guy. Um, yeah. yeah, gives you that so human that connection. Yes, yeah, so I've always been fond of old Uncle Joe, as I like to call him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, did meet Wonder Woman, not um, the current, not Gal Gadot. Uh, who You're talking Linda Carter? A young Linda Carter. Linda Carter, the original Wonder Woman. Oh, who was, wow. Um, and that was, that was actually, though, in 2002, um, we were there for the first year anniversary. Um, she was at the time, I'm not sure if she still is, married to the Attorney General of Washington, D.C., I think. So okay. that's, she was there sort of on official business. But to me, she was still Wonder Woman. Um, that's it. I was, I was, I was uh, intrigued as to how that happens. Like if, yeah, it really kind of, when you said through the list, it's like uh, Obama, Biden, Rumsfeld. Yeah, they all make sense. And then it's Wonder Woman. And it's like Wonder Woman. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure, was this like a, I don't know, it's weird to have like a special appearance at a memorial kind of thing. Like it's very strange to be, be like, and, and look, and look who's absolutely. here, Wonder Woman, like a yeah, superhero lady. Bring in Iron Man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, and Donald Rumsfeld, um, we met there. I wasn't really that excited to meet him, but someone said, do you want to meet him? I went, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because um, he was quite wrapped <laughs> up in the, in the Bush regime and, yeah, the meeting with him was, was exactly what you expect. He goes, oh, we're going to get the guys who did this. And yeah, like, okay. yeah, well, you did. they didn't. Um, they <laughs> went to war with Iraq for no good reason. So um, so I've, he was, you know, I wasn't a fan. Um, but when you yeah, compare that I, to, when you compare that to Biden, that's yeah. saying, here's my, here's my, you know, human connection with you. Here's my story. You know, I know the feeling. Then you get, um, you know, like you said, the stereotypical politician of like, we're going to do it. We can do it. Yeah. Like, let's go. Again. Yeah. We got spin. We got spin from him. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and after that meeting, I was like, don't, and they went to, when they went to a war in Iraq, I'm like, don't say you're doing this for us, you piece of shit. That's not <laughs> yeah. for us. Yeah. This is yeah. nothing to do with us. You so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't impressed, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, a strange, a stranger, a stranger. Uh, uh, I mean, if I had a, an autograph book it would be you know full of some odd odd names you know yeah 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 well and truly to go from you know two presidents to linda carter to you know i mean chuck gus walland in there as well if you uh yeah, gus. well i mean more recent, i mean in 2019 i um 
when I was at New York Memorial, um, I met um, uh, Michael uh, Bloomberg, um, who ended yeah. up running for yeah. running for you know uh, the primary office of some of sort, didn't he? Yeah. Well, um, he was he was cool. So there you go. I mean, so I mean, I really, I'd, I'd been kind of you know my presidential hopefuls. I'd really been sort of um, fielding a quite a uh, an array there. That's it. And if anybody knows them, it's you. So I'm glad it's you that yeah. has the the voicing talents. You can. Yeah, I have the power. Can... Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, it took me a little while to uh, to work on my Donald Trump. I hate saying his name now, but um, yeah, but um, yeah. n- nailed it. But uh, you know, it's fantastic. It was so good. It was great. But I don't have um, <laughs> I don't have a Joe Biden at this point. I haven't really worked on it. I think I maybe it's I feel bad making fun of him because I like the guy. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's he's secretly he has uh, snuck that into you by caring and showing you like. Maybe he knew that down the track, Simon was a uh, you know maybe doing some impersonations of people, and uh, I might be a threat. I'm a threat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mate, thank you very much for talking to us all about all of that. I'm uh, yeah deeply, as I'm sure you've heard over the last twenty years. I'm deeply sorry that that happened to you and the family. Um, but it was it was really good to to talk to you about it. Um, I appreciate you opening up uh, in regards to it. Thank you, mate, and uh, thanks for having me uh, in the society. That's all right. I mean, can I? I'll, I'll I'll ask two more questions before we go. Before we go. Oh, good. They're I'm the, ready. Yeah. The, these questions that um, plague plague my guests every week. Let's say week. Oh, um, so the first one, knowing me, we've had our chat tonight. We've gigged together a bunch. Um, knowing me, uh, if you had to pick a replacement dad for me from TV or film, who do you think would be a good fit? Well, I mean, it's kind of a bit selfish maybe because maybe I'm picking someone who I thought might have been a good father figure. Um, and that's um, the dad from the Wonder Years, um, Jack Arnold, if you've ever watched the Wonder Years. I, feel um, like but, I definitely have, yeah. But a, but a friendlier one because he was always he was always so cranky. But I always think because he looked like my dad. But he was he, he was always so frugal and so common sense. Um, like he kind of for me, when all the TV dads, um, he was like the typical dad. But but yeah. I think but now but now I think I've changed my mind. Um, I think it's got to be Howard Cunningham from Happy Days, because I reckon Ooh, that's a good one. He, was like you know he was a hard-working dad he was you know kind of a traditional dad but but he was he was also really warm like he yeah. was such a warm and and you know if you can bring up two kids like richie cunningham and Joni, well you're doing a good <laughs> job aren't you yeah you know? yeah and i mean and look at how richie's turned out like that's right he's gone he's gone on to do so much stuff and he's all that's, right. that's and, because and of him with howard cunningham put up with fonzie's shit so you know, he's all right. He's like, he, he's the kind of guy who that if the kind of dad that if you've got one of those rogue mates that comes over, he's not going to just send him away. He's going to be like, oh, like I, I know, I know this galley way, yeah. but he's all right. I'll yeah. entertain him. He's, you know, deep down, there's nothing wrong with him. I'll he's entertain got a him. He's, yeah, he, he's got a home here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that one. Um, second question. If you, Simon Kennedy, were my dad, my replacement dad, mm-hmm. what advice would you give me to lead a full and happy life? I think, look, to be honest, because I've got two kids of my own now and I'm trying to teach them the lessons that I've been learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the most important one, I think, is to own your mistakes, um, own your faults um, and admit to them. And I think that's the like you, I think real happiness and I've got a, I like to talk about happiness, but I think real happiness <laughs> can only truly come with, with growth and to grow, you've got to admit what's broken so you can fix it. And then that means personality flaws and it means behavioral flaws, all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I would say, don't be afraid to admit you're wrong and never be afraid to say you're sorry. If you really know that you've done the wrong thing. So I think, I think people, People love honest apologies. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it. It, it does sound like 
It does sound like my wife has sent you a text beforehand just to tell you what to say there, but that's okay. Um, no, th- mate, yeah, I completely agree. You've got to you, this, be... This advice is also for your wife. Your wife has to take this advice. Yeah. It's a it's a dual it's a dual package yeah, uh, situation. Um, <laughs> thank you, mate. Um, we already sort of wrapped up the show before, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, thank you very much for coming on and talking to me about everything, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, if people want to, uh, if people want to book you or uh, find you on the socials, the yeah. Simon Kennedy is that. Look, I mean, you can, I mean, you could go to simonkennedy.com. But that's an go. easy way. But, um, you know, on all the Instagrams and the Twitters, I'm Simon underscore Kennedy. Oh. Um, I, think on, I think on YouTube, I might be Simon Kennedy, comedian and voice wizard. I'm not sure what I've got. On. I'm not sure I've forgotten <laughs> what it is. Then there's Facebook, Simon Kennedy, comedian. I, I don't know. You'll find me. That's it. If you look up Simon Kennedy, you will find him. It's, uh, that's it. That's it. And also, uh, still, still got copies of uh, 9-11 and the Art of Happiness. Yeah, yeah, you can buy my book through my website if you want a hard copy. Um, of course, that's easy. Um, or you could find it on kind on for your Kindle on Amazon or Apple Books or whatever. Amazing, amazing. Well, if you want to find out more about uh, you know Simon's story, uh, please please get that book. But Simon Kennedy, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for being part. Not thank you for being a part of the Dead Dad Society. That feels weird, but no, I'll take it. That's good. Thank you for being part of the Dead Dad Society. Um, and the deceased mums society again didn't want to didn't want to get brutal. Uh, that sounded uh, horrible. I'm I'm part of the, um, the 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 silly orphans society. I think is silly orphans. Silly orphans. Yeah. There we go. I love that. Simon Kennedy, thanks so much, mate. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. <laughs>